This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 17. Episode 36. This is Writing Excuses, space for everyone. Fifteen minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Dan. I'm Mary Robinette. I'm Katie. We are here in Capitol Reef at the UVU Field Station for the Writing Excuses Retreat. We've got a live audience of wonderful writers. And we have an absolutely wonderful special guest, Dr. Katie Coleman. Tell us about yourself. I am... I guess a former astronaut. I'd like to think once you're an astronaut, you're sort of always an astronaut. But I flew twice on the space shuttle and I got to live up on the space station for six months. And I've just been having so much fun learning about how to share through writing here at the retreat. That's awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, This writing retreat has been specifically focused on space exploration and science communication. And uh, our writers are all wonderful Uh, Today we're going to talk about space for everyone and uh, how we can send as many people as possible into space. Um, Katie, tell us about that. This is something that is kind of a a big focus of yours as an astronaut. Well, it has two parts to it. I mean, one is that, you know, now you you see more space companies, more possibilities that more people are going. You know, it's not only people with who have a lot of money. It's not only governments. I mean, there's new space organizations popping up all the time, which to me is really exciting because basically together we really, you know, we really make everything easier for everyone. Everything that each of these companies figures out, it brings all of us ahead. And uh, and coming from a, you know, a government agency being at NASA for 20 for 26 years, you know, something like that. <laughs> Anyways, uh, um, you know, it's pretty wonderful to have so many more players involved and so many more possibilities. And that means more people are going and also that more people are a part of the planning and figuring out how. And, and I just, that's really exciting to me. So more people doing it, but then what we get to do sharing that is another way of making space for everyone. And, and to me, you know, as much as we're great engineers and scientists, we are apprentice storytellers, I would say, um, in the space program. And and so I've been really excited to be here and learn more about, you know, the, sort of the, the maybe making, you know, make, the making of the sausage of, of how you can compel people to understand the story that you're trying to tell. And it's one thing to get to go, but um, I really, it's really, really important to me to share it and to help people who it might not occur to them to share, but to share their experiences as well. And I think that's one of the things that that when we're thinking about space for everyone, that uh, was apparent to me when I was doing the research. Katie was one of the people who who helped me. um, And the experiences that she had as a a woman in the space program were very different than the experiences that male astronauts had. And what's interesting, and also you for those who are not watching the video feed um, and also for those who are listening for the first time, there is no video feed, but uh, <laughs> for those not watching the video feed, um, Katie is at the, uh, the very, she's the smallest person to ever qualify for a spacewalk. Is that correct? Up on the space station. Uh, to, to qualify, 
Tell me what it actually is. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mary, Mary Robinette's trying to be polite about the fact that I'm on the shorter end of things. I mean, not the shortest astronaut. Um, and, you know, we, we used to have a range of sizes of, of uh, spacesuits, and we had many more women that were qualified to do spacewalks, um, myself included. But then we got to space station. We cut down on the sizes. We got rid of the small suit. And so I am the smallest person to qualify in the sort of big suit and get to go up there. And unfortunately, nothing broke while we were up there. I mean, fortunately, you know, I, I was excited about being able to come home again and having not having life-threatening things happen, right? Right. Um, but but I, I think, you know, you do have a different experience when you're a different size, when you come from a different place or a different culture. You know, every life in, with your family was different. All these things add up to who you are when you're sitting there on the on the launch pad ready to launch or being that person up in space, you bring all that stuff with you. Yeah. And the analogy that I use a lot for people who aren't thinking about this uh, on a regular basis because they're completely obsessed with it, like <clears throat> me, um, <laughs> is, is the history of flight. Like when, when anyone who's ever flown knows that those seats are not made for everyone. Uh, they, are, they are made for a specific body type. And if you're not that body type, like if you are comfortable on an airplane, that seat was made for you, and nobody else is comfortable on that seat. Uh, and I'm astonished. But the thing is that, that flight, when it started, was just for the elite. And it was just for, you had to be, have a certain amount of athleticism to do it. You had to have a certain amount of income. And then over the, the 50 years between when Orville and Wilbur took off to when we go to the moon, it became more and more available for people, it, you know, because they could afford to fly, because the seats, the, the cabins were enclosed and pressurized. So it's, it's interesting when you think about space to think about it, where we are right now is that point where uh, things- It's our chance. It's our chance. Things are, as, as commercial space flight comes in, we're starting to be able to go, even if we aren't, you know, special military pilots. Yeah, well, and Katie, a point that you made the other day that I thought was really fascinating uh, is that you're working with a lot of, you know, people who have different levels of physical ability. Mm -hmm. And you made the point that making space accessible for them actually makes it much safer for everybody overall. Can, can you talk about that? Well, when, we, when you think about um, like something really important for everybody who goes to space is to know that they're, when something goes wrong and there's an alarm. And so, you know, for the space station, I think of there's going to be lights that are flashing. There's going to be an audible alarm that tells me what level is this just like, oh, something crummy just stopped working. Or is this, you know, within a minute and a half, go and get your oxygen mask. Right. And so those are those are transmitted to us, you know, by being able to see and being able to hear. And so what if you don't have one of those senses? Right. And or what if you don't have, you know, maybe even both. And so the fact that we've, we're looking at some creative ways because, you know, people, lot, lots more people are flying. They'll be coming up to the space station you know, they might and this might not be for the, the national space agencies. But um, by making sure there's several methods to understand that there's a problem, which we already do, but they're not accessible to everyone. Right. Um, is going to be helpful for everyone. What, what if, as I am translating around, flying around the space station, we don't just give ourselves one push and go. We actually kind of tend our way around. We sort of grab handrails, touch things on the way. And what if, if there's an alarm, one of those vibrated, that, we, that that was an indication to us? So it, it's kind of like down here on the ground when we started designing 
um, streets, you know, city streets to have curbs that slope down at every corner. I mean, it was at first designed for blind people, but now it's actually a really beneficial to so many of us. So by building a space station, the newest, the newest space stations and the newest spaceships to be ones that fit everyone, we really open up the possibilities of who can come and who can contribute. And I'm nominating writers, okay? <laughs> now I want to bring writers, <laughs> having gotten to spend a couple days here and, and understand actually how you think about um, what we get to do and how you open up actually more possibilities about what we could be doing in space has been really fun for me. We're going to be doing another episode where we talk specifically about how to use some of this narrative excitement there. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. But let's have our book of the week. And our book of the week this week is actually not a book. It is a podcast. Katie, you have your own podcast. Can you tell everyone about it? Well, it's not just mine. Okay. <laughs> it's uh, out of Arizona State and the Interplanetary Initiative at Arizona State, where, I mean, this is the school that has a school of, uh, uh, this is a, a college university, has a school of earth and space exploration. Like when you think about it, if you love volcanoes, you don't just love them on earth. You don't just love them on Venus. You know, the same person is going to like both worlds. So we bring them together in the school of earth and space exploration. But more than that, at Arizona State University, they're looking at, you know, we are becoming an interplanetary species. I mean, if you, re if you acknowledge that the robots that we have built did not make themselves, we already are. And so what are the big questions that we need to answer? Who's going to decide when we get to the moon? Who decides the rules? Who decides what's okay to bring? What's okay to like, you know, put on the moon, take back from the moon, um, Mars, all, all these things that involve people. And, you know, for example, I'll say that we wanted to have, a, you know, an episode about, uh, we have one. And I thought, well, it'll be about colonizing Mars. And then you start doing some research and talking to people and you realize, I might not want to use that word because it's actually reflective of, you know, an era where we weren't all that thoughtful, to put it lightly, you know, lightly about how we did things. So we're asking questions like that. My, one of my favorite episodes, of course, is with Mary Robinette and Tanya <laughs> Harrison, where we said, should the, first, uh, should the first crew to go to Mars be all women? 
And we had opinions, and you can listen to <laughs> Interplanetary and find out exactly what those are. I mean, you know, when you think about it, it okay, it is probably our turn, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my opinion. But, you know, was that my final opinion? Um, probably not. But it's also great for things like, you know, understanding space debris. I mean, we talked to Mark Brown, an astronaut, who's just really good at explaining what's big, what's small, and how all of it is up there, and how now we know more about it, and, and really, what is the scariness of this? So we have those kinds of episodes. The, we, we call it asking the big questions. It's myself, and uh, Andrew Maynard is a co-host. He's a futurist and someone that looks at people and machines and how they interact. And it, uh, the creator of this podcast is a wild guy that casts robots and other things in plays and shows. And I mean, he's just a very creative guy and he designed that, uh, the podcast a lot. And it has a, a sequence called Sounds of Space, which is really cool. So awesome. you can, I mean, you, you asked me a short question. I gave you a long answer. No, that, that's okay. The, the podcast is called Interplanetary. It's called Mission Mich- Interplanetary. Mission Interplanetary. And where can people find it? They can find it on all their favorite platforms. And season three is starting up in the fall. And we would love to hear from people. So, you know, look for us. I mean, go, we, we love reviews, but we'd love to know what you'd like to, what are the big questions for you? Those are the kinds of things that we'd really love to understand. Awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah. All right. So when we're talking about space for everyone, I think that there's a couple of different ways to be thinking about it. We've been talking kind of broadly, but it's basically there's the ability level and then there's the, the which there's also the, the monetary level, the, mm-hmm. the access. Like, so what are your thoughts about the commercial space program? I, I mean, more people, more better. And, but I, I, w- I would urge people to listen to the news carefully, you know, really listen and listen for the voices of the people. And I mean, I, we, we can talk about a three, you know, kind of the big main companies, you know, there's SpaceX, there's um, which is working with NASA, bringing people up and down on a spacecraft where we get to do this from the U.S., um, which is really convenient in terms of the research that we do, not to be carting all that, you know, taking baseline data on our bodies and things like that, you know, it, I love launching uh, from Russia. I went to space on a Soyuz, returned home that way. And at the same time, just to get a lot of things done, launching from here is great. But then there's the companies like Blue Origin and like Virgin Galactic, which are taking people on a different kind of journey, still space. I mean, they are going above, the I consider the 50-mile mark to be space. That was what was really considered for the longest time to be space. And... People who go up, either they're going up in a rocket and then the, the rocket, the sort of capsule gets dropped off and it goes up, 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 still, you know, above the 50 mile like line and then lands with a parachute on the ground. Or in the case of Virgin Galactic, they're launching in a rocket on the, you know, underneath an airplane. And that airplane is going up, 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 lets this, lets this rocket ship go. And the rocket ship then takes that big arc up you know, 300,000 feet or so, and then down. They get about, um, you know, five or six minutes uh, of floating around in microgravity, and they get that view of the Earth. And it's easy to say that many people you see, I mean, it's true that many people that you see on these vehicles have paid a lot of money for their seats, right? And that these companies are run by billionaires. But in talking to these people, I see them each of them as people who have a different vision, each of them, 
and resources about how to pave the road to space for all of us. And that's what I see. And not necessarily the, the sort of like the battle of the billionaires that you, it's so, it's so much easier to talk about that. But doing these things is hard. And people are not doing this, I don't think, for the money. And I think they're all losing a lot of money as we speak. But they, you know, they have a certain dedication to making sure that we bring people up to space, different kinds of people, some with resources and means, others with, with a certain background that gives them a unique view, looking back at our planet, of what we have to do here. And also that exploring further, I mean, Earth is still going to be our home. So it's, it's about Earth. It's about space. But uh, it's, 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 a, it's a whole new world. So let me ask you a question. Um, you, you've said a couple of times, you know, the more people in space, the better. Mm-hmm. And, and I agree. Uh, I love space, you know, almost just for itself. But what are the, the, the concrete benefits of becoming an interstellar people, of getting all these just people into space? Just interplanetary. Don't jump ahead to interstellar. Okay. <laughs> Whatever it is, why? Why is getting more people into space better? I don't know if I've said, well, I guess I have said that it's better. That's kind of based on the premise that if we're going to space, we should bring lots of different kinds of people because Mm -hmm. I've been on teams and, you know, the person that you, you know, unfortunately least suspect sometimes we all can stereotype comes up with some idea. You're like, wow, I never thought of that. So having teams that includes people who think differently come from different backgrounds and, and also candidly, you know, having left the planet and looked back, it is. It's almost a non sequitur to think that it's so important, you know, exactly what part of that planet that you came from, what country, what borders. And, and part of the reason that it's important to start thinking as, as a species, as, as earthlings, is that when, when big things happen, when there's a big meteorite strike, you know, when, I mean, when, um, when space debris is happening, I mean, these things are not going to respect the borders of certain countries. These are things that we, as people who all live on this planet, have to solve together. And one of the ways that we've already started doing that, you know, amazingly and astonishingly well, is the International Space Station. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are, I think, 17 main partners in the space station, many more countries around the world represented. And it's not just that there's six astronauts from different places and they all get along and, and you know, do some great work up there together. It's the team on the ground that really um, is making big decisions every day together, you know, about where will the Mars rover go next? What, what, what are the most important targets? We've only got one more flight, I'm, I'm making this up, right, mm-hmm. of um, ingenuity. You know, which, what should that flight be? And so, you know, those are international ventures. Yeah. And I think one of the things that a lot of people forget when you're talking about the concrete stuff is that we use... Uh, we use space, all of us use space technology every single day um, with uh, GPS, when we check the weather. Like that's the, the while we're here in Capitol Reef, we are checking the weather obsessively because of flash <laughs> floods and the radar imaging that we're getting, like we, you don't get that without, without space. Exactly. Without, and every time you send someone up, um, they have that, that different perspective of, Oh, did you know that you could maybe do this in space? Mm-hmm. Well, and, and Dan was asking, you know, is it better? Why is it better to send everyone? But the other part of that is I think that people are just designed, made, going to explore. 
and and that's what I see so much of in the writing yeah. that I see in science fiction. I mean, these are reminders of, you know, who we are as people, and this is just going to happen. It's going to happen in a gazillion different ways. Yeah, Michael Collins said, and I'm going to get this a little bit wrong, but it was that he thought that people had a uh, spiritual imperative for a, a frontier. I believe it. I think that is a wonderful note to end on. Uh, Katie, thank you so much for being here for this episode. You're incredible. We're excited to have you. And uh, thank you again. And thank you to all of our writers here. All right. uh, And I'm going to give you a writing prompt. So your prompt this week is to think about sending someone to space that is a a non-traditional astronaut. Can I just make a note that usually our, it's like round trip. And so when you're thinking about your teenagers, I mean, they're going to come back. Right. Yes. Good, good point. You're right. This is not, Dang it. this is not spacing the people you don't want. <laughs> Sending someone to safe and bringing them safely back. Okay. This is writing excuses. You are out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like, do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.